This B-Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. This is a big fallacy about a delegation that we have in our culture as principals especially, which is that we delegate a task when what we really should be doing is delegating a person. Now, it doesn't really sound the same, right? We should be thinking about the person, not the task when we're delegating. If you think about who you're giving something to, then you give the right thing to them, but you put them first. And this is a theme throughout everything that I do is you focus on the individual. Welcome back to episode five of the podcast, Big Ideas in Small Windows. I'm your host, Mike Gaskell. Today, we're in for a real treat. Jethro Jones, behemoth podcaster in the education world with over one million downloads, is joining us. He was the 2017 NASSP Digital Principal of the Year, is a former principal and host of the Transformative Principal Podcast. Like many of us, Jethro struggled to turn around his school under constant pressure, overwhelmed, stretched too thin, and after researching leadership, productivity, and goal setting, he developed a method of transformative leadership and turned his learnings into books, his award-winning podcast, and even a mastermind group. Author of the book School X, How Principals Can Design a Transformative School Experience for Students, Teachers, Parents, and Themselves, Jethro currently consults schools and districts on redesign efforts. How can you become the transformative leader you want to be when all you feel is overwhelmed and alone? The answer, Jethro says, is not by yourself. He has a mastermind group, the Transformative Mastermind, with other growth-minded principals who provide support and accountability to each other. I had the pleasure of being on Jethro's podcast episode number 466. There's so much tremendous advice he imparts in this episode. Ideas he developed over nearly 500 podcasts with educational experts that you won't want to miss this episode with Jethro Jones. Welcome, Jethro. It's great to have you here on my podcast, Big Ideas and Small Windows. Man, I am so excited to talk to you, Mike. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, just a few weeks ago, we had a chance to meet in person. And I say that with some context because I was on your podcast a couple months ago. And I was really thrilled to see the episode come out and how many people listened to that. So we'll link to that too. It's really like me talking to Yoda about podcasting (laughs) because you've been doing this for seven or eight years, I think you said. And you have over a million downloads. So I really want to dig into, wow, so how did you get there and that whole thing? So I'm going to ask you some questions about that and just ask you to share it with me. So I guess starting with that, tell me where you started and how you ended up here. Well, you know, this really 
was an issue for me as an assistant principal. I wasn't getting the kind of professional development that I thought I needed as an assistant principal in order to become an effective principal. And so I went and visited a school and the uh, principal there, Sandra Jolovich Motes, was awesome. She's doing amazing things. And I thought, you know, I should interview her and see what she's doing that I can, you know, figure out how to be a better principal myself. And so I asked her if I could and if I could share in a podcast. And she's like, I don't know what a podcast is, but yeah, you can interview me. So I went up to her school and interviewed her in person. And I was so afraid that I wouldn't be able to find anybody else to interview for my podcast that I split her interview into two different episodes because I was afraid I wouldn't find anybody else who would come on the show and I needed time to, f- to find someone else. So here I am almost 500 episodes later and you know I, I get tons of inquiries and I'm so excited to share stories of principals who are out there doing amazing things. It's just awesome. And I really learned, I call this my, my PhD in education because I don't have a PhD officially but I've interviewed hundreds of other amazing educational leaders. So I've been able to get my questions answered right as I had the problem, which is why I think that everybody should have a podcast, if for no other reason than to get the cheat sheet to how to solve their own problems right away. That sounds so great because it sounds like a collective reservoir. And in fact, in your book, School X, that you wrote a couple years ago, there were ideas from the greatest minds that you were interviewing over time. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So I, what I did is I found out that one of the things we lack in education is what the school experience is like for people who come to our school. So whether that's us as the principals or teachers, students, or parents in the community, uh, we don't think about what everybody experiences when they come to the school. So I interviewed a bunch of people about that for a separate thing called the Transformative Leadership Summit. And then I took the wisdom that they had from there after dividing it up into those four main areas and and wrote the book based on that great advice and pulled in some great stuff from my podcast as well. Because this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time. As a kid, I moved around to five different elementary schools and went to three different high schools. And I didn't really have a teacher that was like, there for me you know i didn't have someone who was a champion for me and and that's from that rita pearson ted talk and and i felt like i needed that and i feel like we can do that in education if we are working to make that so and if we're not thinking about what the kids experience then you know it's just going to be like any other school and i just don't think that's right for any school i think every kid deserves to go to an amazing school i love how you put that because it's all about relationships and if we build relationships with kids that comes first the teaching comes second i think sometimes we get stuck on the teaching and forget about the investment you make in that relationship there was so many concrete ideas i've been starting to read this book because you were kind enough to share a signed copy with me and it's very readable like you can read this on in a weekend and it gives you all some great pointers you can walk away with and say oh okay that makes sense and that you know, I was thinking about how I could come back to this in three years and reread it and feel refreshed again. So I just wanted to mention that. And you're even working on a book that I think you just submitted the manuscript for, right? 
Yeah, so that one should. I think it's coming out April 2nd or so. Uh, we're, we're still pending on that date, but it's called How to Be a Transformative Principle. And I've taken all of the things that we that I learned in the Transformative Principle podcast and distilled them down to nine key areas that I think every principle needs to be aware of and pay attention to. And so these are things that people from all over the world have said are the important things. And if you're not paying attention to them, then you're going to be you're going to be struggling. You're not going to be able to do what you want. And I and I use the analogy of of the dominoes, like I mentioned in School X, about how if you start on something small, then you can take care of the big stuff. And really, culture is the big thing, right? That's the thing that it's how everybody feels. It's how everybody acts. And it's it. I had a principal come to me and say, "I need help fixing my culture. What should I do?" And I said, "Well, are you taking care of yourself?" And she said, I don't have time to take care of myself. I need to fix my culture. And I said, look, if you don't take care of yourself, nobody's going to believe you're going to take care of them. So you got to start with something small, like taking care of yourself. And then eventually you'll get to the big thing, which is culture. And there's, you know, seven steps in between those two, but it's still, it's valuable to pay attention to all of them. I love how you put that. It's that expression, pay attention to the little things because eventually they'll become the big things. And so much of that, micro focus on things generalizes out to these bigger ideas, don't they? Yeah, they, they absolutely do. So in the book, I talk about these nine things and it starts with self-care and then support for yourself and support for others, then having a vision and then delegating, then doing observations, you having good communication, having strong relationships, hiring the right people, and then it gets to culture. But all those things need to happen. But by, when you do those things, by the time you get to culture, it's just happening. And you don't have to worry about fixing it because you know inherently that culture is made up of everything else. It sounds like it's setting up a buffet and then it's just easier for people to go eat. Although yeah. I guess we can't do that in pandemic times, but you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And really you can, you can do these smaller things and make huge impacts later on. And so, you know, for example, the idea of support, I see that for people to get support, there are three different buckets they can get support. They can get crowdsourced support like your podcast, my podcast. That is a crowdsourced thing that's out there free or very little cost. Books are a great crowdsourced support. You can get insights and tidbits from everybody. And then there's expert source support, which is you go to an expert who knows what they're talking about, someone who could mentor you or something like that. Um, and so that's like going to a conference, for example, or, uh, or an event of some type to learn a specific thing. That's the expert source because those people can give you insights, but they're not going to like hold your hand through everything. Right. And then there's the professionally sourced, which is the people who do that for a living and, and that's what they are focused on is providing that kind of support to people. And so I, th I think about this with like, if you have ever had to do a home repair on your house and for some people that's real easy for other people, it's really difficult. I'm one of the people for whom it's really difficult. I had to replace a fan in the bathroom once it took me eight hours to do it. And I realized that I should have just gotten some professional support and paid someone to do it for me. But instead I went to crowdsource support and watched videos and tried to figure it out online and it didn't work very well. And I eventually had to call my buddy who was good at this stuff and get him to come and help me. And that was some expert sourced support. And really, I should have just cut the, out the middleman and just hired someone to do it for me because it would have saved me time. 
it would have saved me money. I don't think I would have paid that person any more than the money I spent doing it myself with all the mistakes I made and everything I had to fix again. And so having those three different areas and understanding that's where you go, you can then pick and choose and say, you know, this is the kind of support that I need and I'm okay with getting it from this particular area because it's going to solve my actual problem. It sounds like a very efficient way of looking at it. Like I'm going to do the things that I know I can do, but like outsource the things that should be or will be better managed when I'm leaning on someone or something else. Yeah, exactly. And when you recognize that and you understand it, then it's not as hard to outsource that. Sometimes we really struggle asking for help. But when you recognize that some things you're you're just going to do better if you have some help with, then it's not as scary. It's not as insulting. It's not as failure ridden as uh, as we usually think about things. And you recognize, you know, I just need some support. And the best kind of support right now on this is going to be someone who's a professional or someone who's an expert. Or I can just listen to podcasts and figure this out on my own. Whichever one of those works, that's what you got to do. I love the way you put that because principals generally, and I'm very much generalizing here, by their nature, feel like it won't get done well unless they do it. And sometimes we have to let go of that and learn the skill of, okay, so maybe someone won't do it as well as me, or maybe they won't do it exactly the way I want to, but they'll get it done. And then I can better allocate my time and energy on, on these other things. This is a big fallacy about a delegation that we have in our culture as principles, especially, which is that we delegate a task when what we really should be doing is delegating a person. Now, it doesn't really sound the same, right? We should be thinking about the person, not the task when we're delegating. If you think about who you're giving something to, then you give the right thing to them, but you put them first. And this is a theme throughout everything that I do is you focus on the individual. So let me share a quick story to illustrate that because I think this is so key and something that if if you understand it, it's going to make your life so much better. So you've had parents call really upset and yell at your secretary, right? Mm-hmm. It it stinks. <laughs> I hate it when mm-hmm. people do that. It's not cool because she, she doesn't deserve that. And usually our secretaries are like the kindest, sweetest, yes. most amazing people, just totally service oriented. And I told my secretary, Laura, who was amazing, I said, Laura, she'd been a secretary for 30 years and um, she was going to be with me and then she was going to retire. And I said, Laura, look, people should not be treating you that way. And here's where I delegated a task. You hang up on them if they are rude to you. And she said, okay, sure, I'll do that, Jethro. Guess what she never did? Never hung up. Never hung up. Not one single time. Why? Because I wasn't thinking about the person. So I changed it based on what her ability, skill level, and desire was. And I said, okay, don't hang up on anybody. If somebody's mad, say, I'll get you to Mr. Jones right away and then transfer it to me. If I'm out of the building, send it to my phone and I'll know if it's coming from you. It's a hot parent and I need to talk to him. So as soon as I said, this is your job is to help that person get to someone who can solve their problem as soon as possible then she totally took it on. But in the first example, I was focusing on the task. And the second example, I was focusing on what she could do effectively to help out the situation, which was serve the person. And once I changed it to thinking about the person, not about the task, she'd start doing it right away. She'd forward things to me, didn't have a problem with it. And then I could get the phone and say, 
oh, hey, this is Mr. Jones. And uh, before we start, I'm sure I'm sure you want to talk about something. But first and foremost, you cannot call and yell at my secretary. She is a kind, generous woman and doesn't deserve to be yelled at. So no more of that. If you're willing to abide by that, then we can work on solving your problem. If you can't, I'll hang up the phone right now and you can call back later when you're ready. And because I was comfortable saying that, I could say that. And I delegated that task to me, which isn't really delegation, it's just me doing it. But I couldn't delegate that task to her because she was the wrong person to do that. She could never hang up on someone. That goes against everything she believes. But once I understood what she could really do, get the person help, boom, problem solved right away. I love how you spelled it out because, and and the word that came into my mind, I don't even know if it's a word, but I'm making it up right now. Micro power. Micro power. small thing. We're going to have to label that, right? Or or brand that. Micro power that you're giving this very significant option to, to her, to you, and to this expectation to the parent in this small way. And so that's such a great way to put it. We've been talking a lot about the ideas that you share regarding your experience learning from others, uh, from your podcast. And, and I love listening to podcasts. I listen to your podcast. I listen to a few others. And it is like an education. It's, it's an amazing experience that you can't get from somewhere else. And you can tap right into these great minds as you've done with so many guests. One of the things that I want to ask you to do is not be so humble now and talk a little bit about how in 2017, you were honored as NASSP's Digital Principal of the Year. Tell my audience a little bit about your journey to that. Well, that was really definitely a great honor and it's so cool to be recognized. And the story that that most people don't know or understand is that just two years before that, I was told by my principal at the time, that I was not good enough to be an elementary school principal and I needed to go be an assistant principal at the middle school to get more skills in a few years. Maybe I could go become a uh, an elementary principal after that. And then in a few more years, I could become a middle school principal. And that hurts, right? That doesn't feel good. And so when she told me that, I thought I there was something wrong with me. I thought there was that I wasn't good enough for some reason. And what I realized was that whenever there's criticism or judgment about somebody, it says a lot more about the person giving that judgment or criticism than it does about the person that it's being given to. So I said, all right, I'm not going to apply for elementary principal positions anymore. I want to be in middle school. It's the best place to be. So I'm going to go all out and I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And so I went to Kodiak, Alaska and became principal there. And it was amazing because I I had some really unique challenges, things around trauma, things around kids moving there from other parts of the country because of the Coast Guard, because we had a large Coast Guard base there. And so one of the things that really stood out in my application for that honor was sharing how we would take students who were moving to the school and we would put them on FaceTime and we'd show them around the school and introduce them to some of the other Coast Guard kids so that they could see where they were coming, get to know some people. And it was just a really cool thing to be able to do that, to take advantage of the technology that exists to make it so that our kids felt welcome and had a good experience at our school. And that really was one of the great things that we did. Another thing we did that was awesome was we went and visited the home of every child before school started. 
Wow. Took the staff out and went and visited everybody at home, took them a little gift and said, we're just excited for you to come to school. And what that did for our culture, as I mentioned before, culture is an amalgamation of everything else. But what that did for our culture was huge because every kid knew before school even started, we care about you enough to leave where we're comfortable and come to where you're comfortable and say, we're excited to see you. Now, some people have taken that idea and said, you know, if you do that, then you get to see the conditions these kids live in. You have more empathy. That is not it at all. And if you're doing it for that reason, I think you're missing the point. The point is to tell kids we love you and we care about you and we're excited for you to come to us. And we're willing to leave where we're comfortable to come to where you're comfortable and tell you how much we love you and are excited for you. And that's such an important thing to for kids to recognize because then they feel like they're part of the school even though they haven't even set foot on it yet. And the best story from that was a kid who the family drove across the country, had their Airstream parked out at a campground, and we still went and visited this kid at his Airstream. Knocked on the door, and they didn't have their Coast Guard housing yet. And that mom, we could do no wrong in her eyes because we came and found her kid. And he was a good kid anyway, but even if he had troubles or struggles, she would have been on our side 100% because she knew we cared enough to find him at the campground when he didn't even have an address. Just a little extra building relationships we talked about earlier. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. I wanted to vote for you. I can't go back in time and do that. But after hearing <laughs> those stories, that's amazing. This was pre-pandemic. And there wasn't as much of that happening at that time. So we build on our experiences, but this was something that you and your school community were thinking about in advance. So that's powerful. And I think sometimes we have to take those kinds of risks and tinker with them and then find what works. And, and it, it sounds like that's what you accomplished with that. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and really Mike, everything new is old, right? So I didn't, I didn't learn that just by coming up with that idea. I learned that because I talked with Rob Carroll, who was a principal in South Heights at South Heights elementary school in Kentucky. And he did that with his students. He did a ton of stuff that was just amazing. And he's an amazing principal, an amazing human being. And so I said, how will that work for me? How could I do something like that? And what we have to realize when we hear podcasts or stories or we read books about people who are doing great things or things that we think are great, we have to recognize that our context matters. And we can't just copy what somebody else is doing and think that it's going to work the same. We must adapt it to what we're doing because our context is different. And that matters a lot. And so I didn't do exactly what Rob did. He did, you know, some other stuff. And and I didn't do exactly that. But I did what worked for my community. And when I went to another district, the, the community said, that's not a good idea. People live up here out in the boonies where your students are. They, they don't like the idea of uh, government officials coming to their property. So you, you should be prepared to have people greet you with guns. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so do not do that. And there were lots of people who said, this new community will not accept that. So don't, uh, don't try that here, which was good because I needed the context to know whether or not that would be a good idea. So we can replicate ideas, but we should also be prepared to adapt them. Yeah, absolutely. And when you adapt them, you make them work for your people so that your experience is worthwhile, unique, and beneficial to you. Wonderful. You talk about how you can become the transformational leader you want to be when all you feel is overwhelmed and alone. And your answer 
is not by yourself. And we sort of talked around a lot of this. Let's revisit that. And what does that mean? Not by yourself? Well, we can do a lot of things by ourselves, um, but we can do a lot more things faster and better if we have a group of people around us. And so after doing the podcast for a couple of years, I started having people say, hey, what do you think I should do about this? Hey, what do you think I should do about this? And so I started this small group uh, called the Transformative Mastermind. And the deal is that you want to make your school better and transform your school. And I liken it to the idea of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. The change and transformation has to happen for that caterpillar to fulfill its life goal. The same thing needs to happen for our schools, that you don't become a principal to make sure that you're just putting out fires all the time. So I tell people, you got to stop putting out fires and start leading. And it's difficult for a lot of people to do because they are afraid of what that entails and what that means. And a lot of people do it great, so I'm not knocking anybody down here, but you do it even better when you have a group of people who support you, whose only desire is to help you be better. And so in the mastermind, we talk once a week and one person's on the hot seat and that person says, here's the challenge that I'm facing. What should I do? And then everybody says, here's what we, what we think you should do. You get ideas from all over the country because people are in there from all over the country. And then you get to choose what what's going to work and what's not. And then the next week you come back and say, here's what I did or didn't do. And sometimes you don't do what you should have done. And then you get razzed by the team because you committed to doing it and then you didn't do it. And then other times you do it and it's great. And sometimes it fails. Sometimes it works great. But the thing is, is that nobody there is, is out to get you. It, nobody is there to see you fall or fail. They're all there to see you succeed. And that's their true desire is to help you succeed. Well, I could riff on the mastermind group for like a whole episode by itself. Yeah. But I, full disclosure, had the pleasure of joining it. And I totally get what you're saying. So let me just expand on that a little bit and then ask you to, you know, just add anything you want. It was a really great experience. It made me think about networking in a much more intimate way. Even though we were doing it digitally, we were, we're all colleagues and there is this accountability that's bigger than myself, but in a positive way. So I know I have to check back with this group and it keeps me framed in that mindset that I've got a group that I need to answer to, but it's not a punishment. Like you said, we razz each other and it's, it's almost like a, a fraternity or something, but in a good way that there's this supportive network that's at the same level. And the other great thing about this is I'm not worried about what somebody thinks about in my district. I can just freelance with this group. Is that mm -hmm. more or less? The reality is that in your district, no matter what district you in, there are politics and there are people who are, who are waiting to see you fail and people waiting to see you succeed and you don't know who's who. And so that exists, no matter how good your culture is, there's still going to be those things that are there. So sometimes you're hesitant about what you can say and what you can openly discuss because you might be seen as this, that, or the other, whatever it may be. And the beauty is, is that none of us have any interest in the politics of your district because we're not all there with you. And it doesn't impact us. We're, we're, we're spread out enough that we can give real honest feedback and support. And I, I often tell people when they join, at some point, you're probably going to cry 
in this mastermind because it does get real and it does get raw. But the beauty is, is that you're going to cry because people love you enough to tell you the truth. And they're not going to say things just to puff you up because that doesn't serve anybody. And, and you can get away with that in your own district with other principals there, but it's really difficult to do that in the mastermind because we really do care about everybody's success. And, and that's the beauty of it. And so, you know, sometimes there've been people who didn't care about their success and tried to play politics in that small group and they don't stay in the mastermind <laughs> because nobody likes that, to be honest. And, and it's not the place for it. So I, I really make sure that the people who are joining are going to bring value and support to the group and not be selfish or talk the whole time or anything like that. Yeah. You, in fact, you vet who can join the, the, the mastermind group. Yeah. You've got to be cool. <laughs> That's, it's not really about coolness, but you got to be someone that, that people would want to talk with. Otherwise, it's not worth it. What I felt was this safe vulnerability. And that's yeah. a really powerful thing for people in positions in leadership where we're constantly being sized up. Judge, you talked about the parent being difficult earlier and everything from that deadline that's past due to you didn't do the, you did these 99 things wrong, right? But you got that one thing wrong. We need to talk about that one thing. And, and yeah. sort of feeling like that, we can go to this group and feel liberated. It's, it's powerful stuff. Yeah. And most of the time you probably know what the right thing to do is. And this is what Eric, who's in there said to me last week, you probably know what the right thing to do is, but you want just a little confirmation that yes, I'm moved in the right direction. And if you want to hear Eric talk about it, episode 457 of Transformative Principle is a really good one to listen to because he talks about the experience and then he talks about his goals. And I, it is one of my favorite podcast episodes because he is so eloquent about the things that he's talking about. And, and it's really good. So definitely check that one out. And again, we'll link to your podcast so that people can definitely check it out. It's well worth a listen. There's something that you point out about press and how important it sort of reminds me of that lingo a couple years ago branding your school and you mm -hmm. lay this out in in four kind of neatly packaged steps could you give us a little bit of background about that yeah so it's really something that i learned uh, because i set a goal one year to get in the newspaper multiple times and this was when i was in kodiak and i wanted to be in there basically one time a month for a whole year and I thought if I do that, then I'll be able to help my school get the recognition that it deserves. I'll be able to help them be as good as they can be. And, and I thought, you know, that I, I should be able to do this. It's pretty easy. And it, it is, it's simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> and so you, you have to, you have to remind the, the journalists that you're talking to that you're doing great things, they're busy, they have deadlines, and they're not going to pay attention to everything. It's not annoying for you to constantly remind them. It's what needs to happen so they can actually get a good story. You got to follow up with them constantly, and then you got to share when you do get in the newspaper. And the reason why getting in the newspaper is so important is because once it's written out in a news source, it becomes truth. It becomes who you are. And we in Kodiak, we got on the front page of the paper multiple times. We got students to have articles written in the newspaper. We had 
things on the inside of the paper. And the thing was, is that people would say, there's Kodiak Middle School in the newspaper again. And it was for good things, right? It wasn't for some mistake that we made. Now, I've been in the newspaper for bad things also, and that stinks. But the good news is, is that when you have enough positive press, those negative things get buried down deeper. So they're not as relevant or as, um, as annoying <laughs> to you and your school because, you know, there's 20 positive stories and one negative story and people ha tend to have a better positive perception of your school if it's in the newspaper constantly. Yeah, it reminds me of like ratings, like 4.7 sounds great. Yeah. And if you have enough positive ratings, that's going to just drown out those negatives. And it's that old ideology or a new ideology, whatever they call it, that if I don't tell my school story, somebody else will, and I'm probably not going to like that. Yeah. Well, it's really cool. Like when we, when we've talked about branding in the past, it's been about, you know, have your, make sure you have a brand for your school so that, you know, people talk positively about it, but you're doing all that work. You know, it's a lot better than that. And what shortcuts that is when somebody else who's credible says good things about your school. It's like it, one thing the newspaper says positive about your school is like 10 things you would say positive about your school because you're doing your own PR, you know, and, and when the newspaper's doing it, then other people are seeing that there's great stuff going on. So if you want to check that out, these are, I call it a three minute masterclass. There are four parts. Each one is three minutes long and it's at transformativeprinciple.com. You can go check that out and it'll just give you some insights. And if you want help on it, just reply to one of the emails and say, Jethro, help me out with this. And we can set up a time to meet and try to figure out how to give you a good strategy for being successful with that. Sounds great. Is there anything that you'd want to add that I didn't think to ask? Uh, you know, this was a very wide ranging conversation. You did an awesome job and I just appreciate the opportunity of being here. It's great. It's been my pleasure. Where can people find you? Yeah, I think going to uh, transformativeprinciple.com would be the best place. And that talks about the work that I do. You can link to the podcast from there and everything is all right there at transformativeprinciple.com. Very user-friendly website. I've been there myself and it's, it's intuitive. So it'll make it easy for people to find you. Yeah, Thanks cool. So much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. I hope you enjoyed listening to Jethro as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. Stay tuned for some more great guests every Sunday. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet Tier 1 standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com B-E.